0: Hi, Matt here. Seasoned leaders know that today's ever-changing landscape demands constant evolution. Stanford Executive Education offers you just that, a chance to refine your approach and stay ahead of the curve. Join us this summer at the Stanford Graduate School of Business for one of our on-campus C-suite programs to enrich your perspective, amplify your effectiveness, and shape the future with conviction. Go to grow stanford.edu slash c suite and apply today. How you show up matters. Having a powerful presence can make or break your transactions, your relationships, and your career. Hello, I'm Matt Abrahams, and I teach strategic communication at Stanford Graduate School of Business. Welcome to Think Fast, Talk Smart, the podcast. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Jeff Pfeffer, who is a professor of organizational behavior at Stanford's GSB. Jeff's research focuses on the effects of work environments on health and well-being, as well as power and leadership in organizations. He teaches the super popular course, The Paths to Power, and he is the author of many books, including Dying for a Paycheck and Power, Why Some People Have It and Others Don't. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks for being here.
1: Well, Matt, thank you for having me on your show.
0: Great, I'm super excited to get started. So my first question is, how do you define power and status? And why do you think your class that covers these topics is so popular?
1: I define power as the ability ability to get things done against opposition. Uh, And oftentimes, of course, as we try to make things happen, we find that not everybody agrees with us. (laughs) (laughs) and i think the class is popular because um i have this very bad habit of teaching people and actually telling the truth and so therefore i think my students uh, both online and offline and everybody i talk to actually appreciates knowing how to get things done in a world in which um, oftentimes that's difficult And they and they like hearing the truth as i like to say jack nicholson um, was actually wrong Uh, people do want to hear the truth
0: that's one of my favorite movies for sure and and i i chuckled when you said you know often those in power can't get things done as as the father of two teenagers uh that is certainly true um
1: For companies as well. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Uh, For my next few questions, uh, I want to get very tactical and specific if you don't mind. So are there specific nonverbal behaviors or body language, if you will, that we can employ to be seen as more powerful and having higher status? Are there things we should avoid doing as well? Absolutely. And
1: in fact, I'm sure this is what you teach in your class Mm -hmm. Um, there. We give away our power by tilting our heads. We give away our power by looking down. Uh, We give away our power, particularly when we hunch over and we constrict our, our body in in on itself. Uh, if you want to see an example of this, uh, watch uh, Tony Hayward testifying in the BP hearings where he looks, there the no gestures, and he's really hunched in and reading a script um, and so reading, uh, reading a statement. And so all of those things, I think, give away power. And by, uh, on the contrary, uh, you have power to the extent that you look people in the eye. You have power to the extent that you stand up to your full height, whatever that is. You have power to the extent that you use expansive, uh, you take an expansive posture, uh, you spread out, you take up more space, and you certainly have power to the extent that you use forceful gestures. And ever, anybody who's ever watched somebody speak or watched the movie understands what a forceful gesture is as opposed to a one that isn't.
0: Excellent, so you're right, in the classes I teach, we talk about being big, balanced, and still to demonstrate presence. And it sounds like you're echoing that advice. Absolutely. Let's switch from nonverbal to verbal. Are there specific verbal behaviors we can employ to be seen as more powerful or having higher status? And are there things that we should avoid saying? (laughs)
1: So uh, one of the ways in which you convey power is is by being loud. One of the ways in which you convey power is by being modestly or moderately impolite and interrupting other people, and by by contrast, one way in which you um, don't give away your power if you refuse to yourself be interrupted. Um, so, so that's that's one set of things. And then there's powerful language. You you want to use simple language, forceful language, vivid language, vivid words, and uh, and keep it keep it simple and direct
0: very, very direct and simple in your answer. Thank you. I'm curious your thoughts, because I deal a lot with this in the work that I do around filler words and words of hesitation, like kind of and sort of. Do you have insights on on that and how that affects how people perceive us?
1: You don't want to use filler words and you don't want to use to the extent possible ums or ahs or anything else like that. You want to be, you want to speak as if even though it's not rehearsed, it's been completely rehearsed and you wanna not have any filler words whatsoever.
0: Okay, so fluency is is important for sure. Absolutely. Let's move away from verbal and nonverbal behavior. And I'm curious if you have any thoughts on how emotion relates to power and status. Are there certain emotions we may want to display while avoiding others?
1: Absolutely. But, but in general, I think we want to see people come across strong. Anger is a much stronger emotion than sadness or than, uh, you know, any kind of remorse or, or or hesitation or whatever. So anger is a very strong emotion. And I, I have found uh, in dealing with the various people that I deal with and particularly the institutions uh, that I deal with, many of which have done a very good job of not providing good customer service and your <laughs> audience can figure out who they are, but oftentimes displaying anger gets much more results than, you know, than begging or, you know, cajoling or pleading or, you know, throwing yourself on the mercy of, uh, whoever the particular organizations happens to be. Um, and you should, you should use strong emotions and anger and forcefulness is much stronger than pleading or, um apology or something like that
0: so there are, are certain situations for sure where where anger is appropriate uh, there are others where it is not is is something just like being very passionate and, and convicted in your your uh, belief or what you're saying does that help as well
1: absolutely there's no question that uh, the to the extent that you are excited I mean we know that emotions are contagious um, you know, walk down an airline corridor to the extent that anybody walks down an airline <laughs> corridor anymore, and smile at people. They smile back. If you frown, uh, they'll frown. Um, so we know that there have been studies. Emotions are contagious, and that means energy is contagious, passion is contagious, conviction is contagious. So yes, you want to you want to be passionate. You want to be energetic. You want to have conviction about what you're talking about. Confidence is contagious. You want to display confidence, both in the words and in body language and in the language that you use. You don't want to say, I think there may be some chance that our new venture might succeed. You want to say, (laughs) we are going to succeed and there's no question about it.
0: (laughs) Great example. I, I can't tell you the number of entrepreneurs I work with who have such hedging language in what they say, yet they are completely involved and engaged in what they're saying and passionate about it. It strikes me, Jeff, that the the what you just talked about of, in terms of strong emotions, that actually leads to some of the things you discussed with nonverbal and verbal behavior. When we are passionate about something or angry about something, we gesture broadly. We're more expressive in our voice, the language choice we use. Uh, so the emotion can actually drive some of that nonverbal and verbal behavior you mentioned.
1: No, that's exactly correct. I mean, to the extent that you're passionate Um, and convicted and, uh, and confident, you're more likely to speak in a louder voice.
0: Right, right, right. So you were very kind uh, to give me a sneak peek at your upcoming book, and I'm very excited for that to come out. In it, you talk about how our faces convey a lot of useful information regarding our power and status. Given that we are spending a lot of time communicating virtually where only our faces show up, what advice would you give to people who want to be perceived as competent and higher status when all we see is a video representation of our faces?
1: Well, I think in the picture I'm looking at of you now, I think is a fabulous example of this. Why, thank you. So you practice what you teach. Um, I I think people, even prior to the pandemic, but certainly since the pandemic, have gotten way too sloppy about how they dress and Mm -hmm. how they show up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, maybe Mark Zuckerberg can get away with a hoodie. I think for most people, you can't. I think you should you should look, you should you should dress and show up as how you want people to perceive you.
0: So first and foremost, uh, my the the folks behind my style, if I have any, will be very pleased. My wife and my two kids are going to be very thankful because I I could not do anything. So thank you for noticing that. And then second, it really sounds like just like we need to be thinking about what we say in our messages and how we structure them for presence and power, we also need to think about how we show up. And some of the literature that I'm familiar with suggests that how you frame yourself matters. You should take up half the screen and not not sitting too far away. We read a lot on people's faces, and if I can't see your face because you're too far away or you're sitting in the dark, that actually makes you look more suspicious, less powerful. So it's not only... How you dress and how you look, as you mentioned, it's also how you frame yourself uh, also matters. Let me ask you this question. Um, What would you suggest that someone who uh, do who is in a lower status or power position, who wants to make sure someone in a higher status or power position pays attention to their communication? For example, a line employee talking to his or her boss or, or even me talking to our dean's.
1: Uh, I, I think you need to uh, think hard about what you're going to say and you want to make it concise and you want to uh, lead with the most powerful part of your message and the part of the message you want them to pay the most attention to because people have always had short attention spans and the attention spans have gone down I think you want to do pretty much what I've just what we've been talking about you want to speak directly you want to communicate directly you want to show up if you're communicating with them in person in a way that shows um that that, that you're someone to be taken seriously um and and you know in in how you dress and how you hold yourself and how you uh, convey yourself to both your body language and your spoken language so i you know i think you would do all the things that we've talked about regardless of who you're talking to if you want your message to be heard
0: Excellent advice, I I often add in these situations to somehow link what you're saying to something of value to them can be helpful, not only to demonstrate that you understand what's important for them, but that you've taken the time to make your message relevant and tailored it uh, as well. Yes,
1: well, if you wanna tailor your message, I mean, you should always, as we understand, um, you should begin, of course, by, uh, by, by flattering them, and the, and the research suggests that there's no amount of flattery, that it's too much. So you want to tell them how, how much you admire what they've done and how much you respect uh, their abilities and all this other stuff. Um, if, you want to, um, if you want them to take you seriously, uh, you want to show them how much you admire them and how much you respect them and how happy you are to be in their presence.
0: Well, Jeff, that is probably the best answer I've ever had on this podcast. And I so admire you taking the time to actually address that answer to us. Um, I'm curious if you have, upon reflecting on your research and and, uh, your experience, any last bits of advice around how to have a powerful, high-status presence that you'd like to share?
1: Well, I think, you know, when I have uh, Bill De- uh, English and Susie Damolano, who are co-founders and, of the San Francisco Playhouse, come and teach my session on acting with power, uh, they give the students, I think, fabulous advice, which I will pass on on their behalf uh, to your listeners. Mm-hmm. And that is to warm up. Uh, mm-hmm. So they talk about getting your voice warmed up getting your body warmed up obviously not in public uh you know maybe you know shaking yourself out or you know shaking your body or mm-hmm. going mom 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 to warm up your voice uh, so that when you are you know i mean you can see actors and actresses do this um before they go on stage or before they go to get filmed but you should warm up in advance of everything you do and one of the things you should do as part of the warm-up process is calm yourself down so that so that you're not you don't show up in a nervous fashion and you show up basically ready to go. I mean, if I said to you, you know, Matt, you're going to go play football before, you, particularly given our ages, uh, but even before before you went on the football field, you would probably do some stretches and some exercises to warm up. And the same advice holds for speech and, and communication. You want to warm up so that when you enter the moment you are as relaxed and as you know ready to go as you can be
0: if I were playing football, Jeff, I would sign my will and power of attorney, and then I would warm up. But you're uh, you are uh, you're exactly right in terms of, of taking time to warm up. So many people are so focused on what they're saying. They don't take time to actually prepare their bodies, their minds, their voice for actually saying it. And we often are so busy and rushing around that we don't give ourselves even time to prepare the content as best we could. So that's wonderful advice to, to really build into the process a, a time to warm up. And the great thing about being virtual is nobody needs to see it until you turn your camera on and unmute your mic. You can do some of that warming up. So that there are actually some advantages, I think, to being virtual. Now, before we end, I'd like to ask you the same three questions I ask everyone who joins me. Are you up for that? I'm up for that. Okay. He says hesitantly. I'm I'm not sure
1: I have a choice, but sure, of course, I have.
0: (laughs) Yes, I have the power in this situation. Uh, If you were to capture the best communication advice you have ever received as a five to seven word presentation slide title, what would it be?
1: Warm up. Don't be nervous.
0: I like it. Uh, Very, very concise. And uh, I think with the exception of one word, they're all we're, were one syllable words. Warm up, don't be nervous. And we have spent time on this podcast definitely talking about anxiety management. So those who are still nervous speaking, I, I encourage you to listen in on those episodes. Uh, number two, Jeff, who is a communicator that you admire and why?
1: Um, I'm gonna back up and ask you to define admire.
0: So most people take this question to mean somebody that they respect, somebody that they feel demonstrates communication skills that are worthy of others to consider and, and use. Does that help?
1: Yeah, that helps. I'm going to give you two answers. Okay. Um, you know, I think, I think Barack Obama
0: uh-huh.
1: is a fabulous communicator, but I also think Donald Trump uh-huh. is an extremely effective communicator. And I think people can learn a lot by watching what he does and how he manages an audience and how he responds and feeds off the audience and how he plays into the audience and how what you say doesn't matter as much as how you say it. And there's a lot of research that suggests
0: that. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people have looked at his speaking style and identified things that that we can all learn from. So number three, the final question. What are the first three ingredients that go into a successful communication recipe?
1: A successful communication? I didn't hear the last word.
0: Recipe. Imagine you're a cook in a kitchen putting together a successful communication dish. What are the first three ingredients?
1: Simplicity. Um, Simplicity for sure. Um, Forcefulness. Mm -hmm. And third ingredient, simplicity, forcefulness, and, uh, and volume.
0: Interesting. Uh, tell me a little bit more about forcefulness. I think we get simplicity and I think volume makes sense, but, but what do you mean by forcefulness?
1: Forcefulness means, you know, uh, being speaking with conviction, okay. uh, which, which means not only your voice and not only the loudness of your voice, but you know, acting, acting as if you mean what you say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, you know, there's this old saying, which I think has been taken very badly out of context and which, you know, I think has been misused in some sense, which is fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the real the, the real saying is fake it until you become it. Mm-hmm. If If you say something often enough and with enough conviction over time, you may not convince any other human beings, but you will certainly convince yourself. And for and for you to be able to convince anybody else of something, you have to believe what's coming out of your mouth.
0: Aha. That's a great way of explaining forcefulness. Thank you. And thank you, Jeff, for taking time to be with us today. Uh, all of us are truly appreciative of the detailed, specific advice and guidance that you have provided. And I expect that all of us will be sitting up a little straighter, uh, talking a little louder, being a little forceful so that we too can have a strong presence that's powerful and high in status. Thanks so much, Jeff.
1: Pleasure being with you.
0: Thank you for listening to Think Fast, Talk Smart, the podcast, a production of Stanford Graduate School of Business. To learn more, go to gsb.stanford.edu. Please download other episodes wherever you find your podcasts. Hi, Matt here. Quick question for you. When was the last time you took a step back from your daily life and took the time to invest in yourself and your education. For a lot of us, it's been a long while. But here's the truth. Great leaders never stop learning. If this sounds like you, I encourage you to explore Stanford Executive Education Programs. These programs are jam-packed with insights from Stanford GSB professors and bring together top leaders like you from all around the globe. Explore Stanford Executive Education Programs now at grow.stanford.edu slash learn.